14 or 15, there were four or five, four or five ever, I say were, past tense, were four or five evergreen shrubs in our front uh, yard, in front of the porch, uh, and they were kind of overgrown, didn't look the greatest at this, at this time, so my dad asked me if I would trim them up, if I could, if I could just trim up these shrubs and make them look nice, and he had the, the trimmers, and he said to me, can I show you what I'm looking for? Can, can you watch me for just a minute? Can, you, can I show you what it is I want you to do to trim these shrubs up to make them look nice? And I grabbed the trimmers from him and said, no, I've got this. How difficult, really, can trimming up a few shrubs be for a 14-year-old kid, 15-year-old kid, who's soon going to be driving and knows everything? So I took the trimmers from him. No, I've got this. You don't have to show me how to trim up a few shrubs. And so he walked around to the backyard. And I began to trim these shrubs. Within 10 minutes, I had butchered these things. I mean, completely just, they were, they were, they were toast. One end of this, this shrub, one end was about four and a half foot tall. The other had managed down to it was, was, was about, I'd say, a, a meager foot. Um, some of these uh, were, were at a distinct point at the top. Others had no point at all because all they were were sticks in the ground at this point. I took a, I took a, a step back knowing all the while... You know, if, 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 you trim, if you trim bushes, you, you just start cutting and cutting and cutting, and then at some point you think, well, that's not quite as even. I'll cut a little bit more off here, cut a little bit more off here, and cut a little bit more off here. I knew they didn't look great, so I stepped back and looked and saw this, what used to be shrubs. What should I do? Dad's in the backyard. I could yell for him. Should I yell for my dad? Did I yell for my dad? No. What should I do? Keep trimming? Absolutely. Picked up the trimmers again and started cutting. Ten minutes later, I mean, the, the shrubs were a distant memory. Never, never would, we, would, we see, would they be restored to their glory of what they once were. And, and understand this, they, they, they covered the front of the entire porch. I mean, they were the eyepiece. When you, when you pulled up to the house, were these, these evergreen shrubs. And a few minutes later, I had put the, 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 the trimmers down. I mean, just a carcass of, of just, I mean, just, oh, short, branches everywhere. My dad comes walking around the corner. He sees them, and he steps back. It's always in the silence that I'm, uh, that I'm most fearful of my dad. He stood there for a minute, looking at him. He could have said a whole number of things at that point. But instead, he looked at me and he said, Why didn't you call for me? Why didn't you call for me? Still, 20 years later... Plus, 20 plus years later, the, the question, why didn't you call for me? The answer 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was fear. If dad sees what I've done to these shrubs, I'm going to be in some deep, deep trouble. I don't know if it was fear or if it was pride. I've got this. I can fix this mess that I made if I just take a little bit more off the top and then a little bit more off the front and a little bit more off the top and a little bit more off the front. I can fix this problem that I have made. But still the question, why didn't you call for me? I don't know if you've ever been there. You have a problem. You know who to call in order to fix it. You know that if you call on this person, everything would be made right. And yet, for whatever reason, whether it's fear, whether it's pride, or, or another reason, you just don't call. A few minutes later now, still standing in the front yard, my mom comes out. She goes into a deep state of mourning over these bushes. Um... But my dad, still, why didn't you call for me? I could have helped you. I could have shown you what to do. We spent the next hour, I spent the next hour watching him trim up these bushes and, you know, get them back into some manageable uh, state. I, I listened to him as he told me, you know, when you have this, maybe you just do this, you know, and here's how you can hide this, this problem, here's how you can fix this mess, you know, and I, I watched him as he, as he returned these things to, I mean, not, not anything great, but more than ugly. And then after he was done, he, he turned, handed me the trimmers, and he looked at me again, and he said, next time, call me. Next time, call me. Now, friends, we've been talking about prayer these last few weeks. We've been talking about the fact that we have some big issues, bigger than some uh, hacked-up shrubs we have some big problems in our lives we have some big problems in the church we have some big problems in our in our nation today we have some big problems and we need to be praying some big prayers to a big god who is capable of bringing some big solutions amen do you agree with that we need to be praying these big prayers and so today we're going to continue to to talk about prayer but I believe, I'm convinced that one reason, one reason that people fail to bring big, bold prayers, one reason that people fail to pray at all is because we lack confidence. We lack confidence of entering into God's presence. Whether it's fear, whether it's pride, whether it's something else that's going on in our life, I am convinced that oftentimes we lack confidence and so we fail to call out to God who we know, we know can answer our every need and fix our every issue. So this morning I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and this is a verse that I um, mentioned, quoted last week. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look this morning at verse 14. 
of Hebrews chapter 4. And you can turn there in your own Bible, in one of our pew Bibles, or if you're following along on the Bible app, it's available there for you today. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. And it ties into what Addison had read for us earlier from Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, verse 14, Therefore, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's a, there's a statement, uh, I've got several blanks in your bulletin this morning, but there's a statement that I, I want us all to hold on to uh, as, we, as we walk out of here later this morning, a statement that I want us all to hold on to because, and it's, and it's encapsulated in, in verses 14 and, and 15 there. When I get to the end of verse 15, literally when I got to the end of verse 15 in preparing this message, I let out an audible yahoo in my office this last week. I got to read this again. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, that is Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Hallelujah, Jesus. So let me unpack this statement for you. Actually, I'll just tell you the whole thing. Jesus is our great high priest who sits in heaven and sympathizes with our weaknesses and has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Let me read that again commit this to memory. Jesus is our great high priest who sits in heaven and sympathizes with our weaknesses and has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Now first, before we really get to the heart of the message, today I want to unpack that statement that I just made to you. Jesus is our great high priest. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus is our great high priest. In the Jewish religion, the, the high priest was an exalted position, the most exalted position that can be held. The most important act of the high priest, though, took place on the Day of Atonement. One day every year, the Day of Atonement, when the priest would enter into the innermost part of the temple and make a sacrifice for the nation of Israel and, and make atonement, pay the price, bring reconciliation between the nation of Israel and God the Father. And on that day of atonement. Now just picture this with me. Enter into the, this, this, this account. On the day of atonement, the priest, as the, the sun rose over the Mount of Olives, the priest would stand with a trumpet in hand and he would blow that trumpet. And with the sound of the trumpet, it would signify to the entire nation 
that the morning sacrifice was about to take place. And in the temple, in the temple, the, the high priest would, would stand at the, the, the front of the temple near the altar and with a ceremonial knife in hand, he would begin the morning sacrifices. Fifteen animals sacrificed to the Lord. Payment for the sins of the nation. Sacrificed on the altar. This giant altar. And as the, the animals were sacrificed, their, their blood would spill down the altar. Have I turned into one off yet? Good. The blood would spurt, uh, uh, spill down the altar and it was collected into a cup. And after the sacrifices were, 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 were through, this cup was picked up by the high priest again. And he would enter, through, go through the temple. At the, the front of the temple was the great double veil. I mentioned that in my prayer earlier. The, the veil that, that was torn when Jesus was sacrificed. The, the veil that was removed. Now there's nothing that stands between us and Jesus Christ. And so we can enter his presence with confidence, but the high priest would take this cup, and normally no one could pass through the double veil. But on this one day, this one man, the high priest, could pass through into the Holy of Holies. And so he would enter in with this cup of blood in his hand. Into the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there's one piece of furniture, just one, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, a, a wooden box inlaid with gold, but the, 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 the top of this box is made of pure gold, and it is called the Mercy Seat. And on the Mercy Seat, the high priest would, would take the sacrifice the sacrificial blood and he would pour it on the mercy seat and in that act he would make atonement for the sins of the entire nation one day a year now over the years there were several high priests thousands of high priests was passed down from generation to generation. Men held the office, the high office of high priest. But we have something that the Jewish people never had. We have a great high priest. Amen? We have a great high priest. That is Jesus Christ himself. And I want to unpack what all that means for us. Jesus is our great high priest who sits in heaven. Who sits in heaven. Now I mentioned that the high priest could pass through the double veil into the holy of holies. Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Our personal great high priest. Who knows us intimately and cares for us deeply. He has gone beyond the double veil. He has passed through heaven itself. I said that the, the high priest, the Jewish high priest, that he could not... The, 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 this, this one piece of furniture, the Ark of the Covenant, he was not allowed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. Not any part of it, but especially not the golden mercy seat. The penalty was, anyone know what the penalty of touching the Ark of the Covenant was? Yell it out. Death! It's kind of... Uh, 
kind of uh, harsh, isn't it, for me to yell death in church? But I did. Um, if he touched the Ark of the Covenant, and by the way, if he had any sin in his life, he would drop over as soon as he entered the Holy of Holies. That was the punishment, so much so that they would, I love this, they would tie a rope around his ankle so that if he died, they could just pull him out and they didn't have to enter in there themselves. That's great. Imagine, imagine that process on the Day of Atonement. That's something that uh, they, they don't warn you for, right? Hey, by the way, we're going to tie this rope around your ankle just in case, you know. Anyhow, the high priest, he was not allowed, the Jewish high priest was not allowed to touch the Ark of the Covenant or else the punishment was death. But Jesus not only has, has touched the Ark of the Covenant, Jesus, it says, Jesus sits at the right hand of the mercy seat himself. He sits there day and night for all of eternity. Jesus is at the mercy seats. Jesus is our great high priest, it says, who sits in heaven and sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Sympathizes with our weakness. Anyone bold enough to say today, I've got a weakness in my life? Anyone bold enough to say, I've got a weakness in my life? Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. There's nothing, there's nothing worse in my mind. Well, there is some things that are worse. It's very, very bad to have empty sympathy. Anyone ever received empty sympathy where you're sharing with someone a deep need in your life, a great burden, and they say, wow, I understand. And you just want to look at them in the eyes and say, no, you don't understand. You have no idea what I'm going through. But Jesus does. Amen? Jesus knows exactly what we're going through, sympathizes with us in our times of weaknesses. That means that Jesus understands exactly what you are going through. He identifies with your situation, your burden, your struggle. Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. In order to do so, Jesus had to get down and dirty. He had to come down from heaven, becoming one of us, and he had to get dirty. He had to take on our sin, your sin, my sin. He had to deal with the temptation of this world. He had to take on burdens and carry them as a man here on earth. Jesus is our great high priest who sits in heaven and sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. I had this thought this last week. I shared it with a few people. That when we are at our absolute worst, we can bring it all to Jesus and know that he will give us his very best. Why? Because he understands. Because he knows. Because he's been there and done that but not just that says he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses and has been tempted in every way this is important for us to know for all of us to know right now whatever you are going through jesus has gone through it think about the it says jesus was tempted in every way jesus was tempted by food jesus was tempted by money jesus was tempted by sex Jesus was, was tempted by power. Jesus was tempted by authority. 
So whatever it is you're going through, whatever category you'd say, this is a temptation that I just, I've been dealing with for many, many years and I don't know how I can conquer it. Guess what? Jesus has already been there. I said, been there, done that, and conquered it. Came out on the other side victorious. Jesus is our great high priest who sits in heaven, sympathizes with our weaknesses, has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. See, because Jesus knows what it is to be tempted, because Jesus is able to overcome those temptations and not sin, Jesus is able to give us real help. How many of us, if we were diagnosed with, with cancer today, would go to an oncologist who has lost every one of their patients? Not a one of us. But how many of us, if we were diagnosed with, with cancer and we found that there's an oncologist over here that has the cure, and every person that's ever gone to them at every, any stage of cancer, they've said, here's the cure, there it is, they live and they go on to live a fruitful life. How many of us would run to that physician? I'd imagine every single one of us. And that's what Jesus is. He says, I hold the cure. I've been there. I've done that. I've conquered it. And I can show you the way. And yet we hesitate when we have a big need in our life. Why? Because we're weak. Because we have a temptation and we're embarrassed. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's pride. But we just don't call out for Jesus. And then we come to one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. See, all of this is so important for us to know that Jesus is our great high priest, that he sympathizes with us in our weaknesses, that he's been tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. He has conquered it so that we can have that in our mind and when we deal with a need in our life, we can say, I'm going to bring it to Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I'm not too prideful. I'm not afraid. I'm going to bring it to Jesus. And so we, he says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach. That's a priestly expression from the Old Testament. In Leviticus, we find that only certain people were able to approach. And yet through Jesus, we find that everyone is invited. Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, men and women, every class, every race, everyone is invited to come to the throne of grace with great confidence. Confidence. I love that word, confidence. It's the Greek words that, that, that make up that word confidence here. Going to mean full story. Say that, full story. Oh, you didn't say it. You know, you know if you don't, if you don't respond, I'm just going to do it again. It's been a year. You guys know this. Say full story. Full story. You don't have to say it just like me. Full story. That means that I can approach my Father God. I can approach Jesus Christ, my Savior, and I can tell him the full story. And it's, I think it's ridiculous that we wouldn't do this already. Jesus already knows. He knows what we're going through. He knows that we've slipped a little bit already. 
He knows that we've, we've been trying to carry these burdens on our own for far, far too long. He knows that we've gone back three or four times and trimmed the shrubs again and again and again and that we've made a mess out of everything. So we can approach Jesus with our full story. We can tell him everything with great confidence, without hesitation, without inhibition, holding nothing back. We can tell God our full story. Why? Why would we tell God our full story? So that we can receive, we may receive mercy and find grace. Receive mercy and find grace. Mercy, let's talk about that one first. Mercy focuses on the negative. Mercy focuses on the negative. It looks at our sin and forgives it. Mercy is the compassion and the forgiveness that God shows to us when he has every right to condemn us to death. He has every right to punish us. Mercy focuses on the negative and yet it forgives it. It looks at our sin and forgives it. We'll come back to mercy here in a minute. So that we may receive mercy and that we may find grace. Grace focuses on the positive. It blesses us with God's riches even though we are so undeserving of it. Grace is the kindness and the love that God freely pours down upon us and we are so undeserving of it. I sent uh, Christy, uh, uh, Christy McWilliams a message last night and said, is Brandon going to be here? Did you tell Brandon that I asked about him last night? Okay, so he's expecting this. Um, I'm going to pick on Brandon. I could have picked on you, Trent, but I'm going to pick on Brandon today. Um, Brandon, do you ever pull anybody over? As a police officer, you ever pull anybody over? Just a couple. But I'm assured, I, I'm sure that if you pulled me over, if I'm going 80 in a 55, you wouldn't give me a ticket. I'm certain of it. I'm not even going to let you answer. If I'm going 80 swerving from lane to lane, driving through town, I know Brandon, such a loving guy, he'd never give me a ticket. I've been pulled over a couple of times. Never my fault. No. Um, I, I, I thought if, if Brandon were to pull me over, going 80 and a 45, come up to my window and start to talk to me. Pastor, do you realize you're going 80? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be right back. I've been through this a few times. I know how it goes. And the whole time I'm looking at my rearview mirror and I'm seeing, how, I'm, I'm timing it. How long is it taking him back there? You know, it takes a lot longer to write a ticket. Is he typing anything in? Is he, you know. Uh. Now here's mercy. Mercy is Brandon coming back up to, my, up to my window and saying, Pastor, you're going 80 and a 35. I keep lowering it. <clears throat> you have no good reason. For going 80 and a 35. You're swerving from lane to lane. You didn't signal back there. I have to give you a ticket. Mercy is, Brandon, remember this. Mercy is, Brandon saying, I'm going to pay that ticket. 
No, no, no. Mercy, I'm sorry, I messed that up. Mercy is Brandon saying, Pastor, you deserve a ticket. There it is. Mercy is, Pastor, you deserve a ticket, but I'm not going to give you one. Grace is Brandon saying, I'm going to pay that ticket for you. I don't know what that ticket would be. Maybe four, five, six, a little jail time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's reckless driving. Mercy is Brandon saying, I, I should give you a ticket. I know that I should, but I'm not going to. Here's a warning. Grace is Brandon saying, I'm going to pay that ticket for you, and I'm going to have you over for dinner. Just because I like you, Pastor. Remember this, Brandon. <laughs> Each one of us, each one of us, we need that mercy from Jesus Christ. Amen? We have needs in our, we have, we have sin in our life. We have things that we've done wrong. We have butchered things in our lives, messed them up severely, and we step back and we say, I don't know how this has happened. I don't know how I'm going to reverse this. What am I ever going to do? And, and, and Jesus is just sitting over here saying, just... Just call for me. Just call for me. I'm right here. I've got everything you need. Just call for me. I can give you the instruction. I can help you out of this mess that you have made of your life. Just call for me. Mercy then. Jesus wants to, to, to give that to us. Mercy overlooks our sin. Grace, Jesus says, come on in. Come on in. And I want to give you so many more gifts. Just because you called out for and so this morning as we close, we're going to call out to God. As a, as a church, as a congregation, we're going to call out to Jesus with our specific needs as individuals, the needs of our family. Jesus, you already know them full well. And so God, we thank you that we can come before your throne of grace and give you the full story. With all confidence, Jesus, knowing that you have been there, done that, and conquered it, Jesus. We come before you with our full story. Hear us this morning. Jesus, pour down your mercy upon us. Pour down your grace. These wonderful blessings lord that we are so undeserving of but you give them to us simply because we call to you simply because you love us as your children and we thank you jesus for that grace we thank you for those gifts undeserved in our lives jesus today i pray that you would write on our hearts write on our minds lord the truth Lord God, right on our hearts, right on our minds, Lord. Confidence. So that any time, Lord, any time we find ourselves in the midst of chaos, any time we find ourselves in the midst of a mess, even a mess, Lord, that we have created ourselves, remind us, Lord God, to come before your throne of grace with great confidence so that we may receive mercy and that we may find grace to help us in our greatest times of need. And we will give you 
the glory. We will give you the honor. In your name we pray, dear Jesus. Amen.